This is CliffCentral.com. different this week. Um, a few weeks ago, Ronaldo Hose invited us onto his YouTube channel for a live stream. Uh, we debated racism, BE, uh, freedom of speech, and we thought that perhaps our listeners would want to hear the audio version of that discussion. So for those who haven't seen the live stream, this is the first time. Welcome. I hope you enjoy this. For those who have seen the live stream, listen anyway, because you might learn something new or... Have your memory refreshed. It's always good to remind ourselves that, you know, principles matter and this conversation between the Renegade Report and Ronaldo certainly proved that. Nevertheless, see everyone next week again. Ciao. I think that it's it's important to note that um, I would like to just describe, you guys can describe yourself in a minute or less, but it's important to note that the, the individuals that I'm debating also have different beliefs themselves. So Roman Roman uh, Kabanak is he considers himself an anarchist, and Jonathan uh, would uh, would say say that he's a classical liberal. Now, as you know, um, I hate the isms myself, but if I had to be forced to describe myself, then I would say that I am a liberal egalitarian. That is what I am, which in other words means that I'm a centrist leaning towards the left. But uh, Jonathan, let's start with you. Can you just introduce yourself and tell the guys who you are? Uh, cool. I'm Jonathan Witt. Uh, I co-host the Renegade Report with Ramon. Uh, my day job is as a medical doctor uh, working in the field of anesthesiology. Uh, and politically speaking, I think exactly what you just said. I am a classical liberal uh, so I believe essentially in individual rights, uh, in the individual being the sort of center of pretty much everything. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's, that's me for the moment. Cool. Over to you, Roman. Well, my name is Roman Kavanagh. I'm an anarchist, so I don't think, well, first of all, I don't think states exist. They're just social constructs that we have created for ourselves. Uh, and if they should exist, they are the most violent nepotistic systems ever. Uh, and all they do is oppress and steal from citizens. So that's why I'm an anarchist. So I don't think countries should exist, borders should exist. And whenever everyone says, you know, classic liberalism is great, they still see a reason for the state to exist. And I don't. I trust individual people and communities and families to do what's best for themselves. All right. Thanks for that. Um, and just to obviously describe myself, um, like I said, isms, I'm not a big fan. But my philosophy, in essence, is that equality is the most important thing um, and with regards to people having their rights that need to be protected. Um, and that is a very basic construct of what I believe in. Um, but I do think that government is necessary, um, whether or not it needs to be a big government involvement or smaller government involvement, that's something that's open for a debate. But all right, let, let's get to the first topic. And I think that I will, I will tackle this first so that we can have a rebuttal from the two of you. Um, let's start, I think, with the easier one, 
which would be, in my opinion, uh, the Vicky Momberg incident and hate speech being considered a crime, or more specifically, criminal injury. Now, I know that there's a lot of people that you like to use the expression of freedom of speech um, and, and try and throw that, uh, that aspect around and that word around and say freedom of speech needs to be absolute. And to an extent, I can understand that. And I do believe that freedom of expression and freedom of speech is um, not touched. But there, there is a problem when you start looking at hate speech in this country. And one specific thing that I would like to make reference to is the fact that in our constitution itself, it says that freedom of expression, um, you know, is protected when it is freedom of the press and of freedom to receive impartial information. Um, but there becomes specific elements when freedom of expression does not get protected. And that is when there is propaganda to war, when there's incitement of imminent violence, um, the advocacy of hatred that is based on race, ethnicity, gender or religion. And yes, I am reading from the Constitution because I don't want to get it wrong. So this falls under Chapter 2 of the Bill of Rights, um, according to what freedom of expression is versus what hate speech is. Now, what Vicky Momberg did, in my opinion, look, <laughs> there's a fine line between insulting somebody and then completely going on a hate speech tandem that is to such an extent that you are taking that person's rights away. Because a, a question that I always have is, when does your freedom of expression or your freedom of speech start um, affecting other people's freedom of association and freedom of being who they want to be. And I think that is why that is very necessary for us to have that in the Constitution and to make sure that there are things in place for action to be taken against those individuals. Now, if this was a policy that was just put in like the hate speech bill that they're trying to pass, which I fundamentally disagree with, um, then I would say, you know, um, maybe we need to relook at it. But this is something, the Constitution, that was thought over long and hard between people from different backgrounds. And I, as a, uh, a liberal egalitarian, feel that, you know, a Constitution is necessary and especially something that was set up the way that it was set up. But I will leave it now to you to to sort of give your opinion and why you think that I might be wrong. And I think, Roman, let's start with you on this one. Right. Well, first of all, Ronaldo, I need to chastise you for spreading fake news. Uh, she, she was sent to jail for criminineuria, uh, not hate speech. So criminineuria is a Roman Dutch law concept where one's dignity is so impaired by speech that, you know, you should pay damages for it. So <clears throat> if hate speech, as defined in the Constitution, was enacted upon in law, I would, I don't, I don't think hate speech should exist as a category of offense or crime. But if, it had to. I think those three stipulations in the Constitution are legitimate. I understand why they're there. But what we have in this country is um, a lot of so-called hate speech um, every single day uh, on, on social media, on YouTube, on Facebook, <clears throat> by politicians, by people in the public, by private people in uh, their own homes. So... How, why would you want to prosecute people who are bigoted in real life? What is the what is the fu what is the fundamental reason you wish to do that? If it's to remove them from society, that's to me social engineering. Um, <clears throat> if you want to punish them, then punish them by you know 
pointing them out and letting everyone else laugh at them, letting everyone boycott their businesses, letting everyone disinvite them from public gatherings. Society has mechanisms in place to deal with bigots, generally speaking. And I think in a liberal democracy, you should, you know, you have the right to be a bigot. And jailing you for saying words 50 times is, uh, yeah, a step too far. Okay, Jonathan, over to you. Yeah, look, Ronaldo, I think we we had this out once on Twitter, and I said to you that essentially hate speech doesn't exist. Um, I think it's important that even in South Africa, where we have limited um, speech, we don't really have freedom of speech uh, because of the limitations you read. The part of the Constitution that you're talking about says that uh, your freedom of uh, speech or expression is limited, isn't that it does not extend to propaganda for war, incitement, or imminent violence, as you said, or hatred of uh, based on race, ethnicity, gender, or religion. And then it's got an, another line, which is and, that it constitutes incitement to cause harm. You, you actually, at a constitutional court level, would need to do both. So you, you couldn't just be found guilty of violating this constitutional um, proclamation based on the fact that you, uh, let's argument's sake, had shown hatred to a specific race, you would also have to have proof that this this hatred um, constitutes constituted an incitement to cause harm. So I think that's a big misunderstanding in even the South African limitation on the freedom of expression. Um, and the reason why we have big problems in terms of how we understand the speech in South Africa is because we've got another part of the constitution which or the law, uh, Ramon would know a bit more on this. Legal legislation, yeah, separate from the Constitution. Yeah, that sets up an equality court. And the equality court is basically a hate speech court. Um, and that they uh, function below the level of the constitutional court. And I, myself and, and actual legal scholars uh, who are far more knowledgeable than I am on this particular subject feel that if the equality court was ever challenged at the constitutional court level, it would be found to be unconstitutional based on our current writing of the constitution. Um, then there's the concept itself. I mean, you mentioned that uh, freedom of speech is very important, but it mustn't interfere with the rights, uh, other rights, uh, you, you, whatever, your right to dignity for being one example, which is what was found in the Vicky Momberg case. Um, I, I don't uh, value all rights as being equal. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think that that's true. I think that some rights... If you have to go down to base level and, and we're living in Ramon's anarchic society and we've got to decide what's more important, um, I do think some rights are going to trump others. And so freedom of speech is the singular right which has to trump everything else. And the reason behind that is because if the government comes to take away your property as they want to do in South Africa or it's proposed that they may do, um, the only uh, way you have to initially speak out uh, is a freedom of, of speech or freedom of expression. Uh, you, uh, your American viewers might uh, say, well, the second way would be the Second Amendment, which is with your weapons, uh, which is why I also believe we, we should we should be have easier access to guns. But it's a separate separate discussion. Um, so so I think we can start from there and, and I'll let you, uh, you know, give your reply. All right. So. Uh, okay, let me start with Ramon. Ramon, I did actually mention Crimin Injura. You need to listen, bud. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, blame the headphones, whatever. Um, okay, so the thing is, the Crimin Injura was the, the, the main reason, but obviously I think hate speech played a part because they she impeded on somebody else's dignity. 
um, and that is why they take, took her to court, and that's why she got found guilty. Now, three years for something being said. Look, um, I don't want to really get into it. I do think, considering um, you know the case that involves something local in council with me, where somebody um, broke a glass jug over somebody's head with the intent to do grievous bodily harm, and they got uh, three years suspended or two years suspended for one year. Um, I do think that, you know, maybe it might have been a little bit harsh, but I, I disagree with you in the fact that, you know, we, we so many people that are now spewing for Vicky Mombo or in, uh, springing to her defense are the same people that are lashing out when Julius Malema goes on stage and incites violence and, and says this, the stuff that he says, which impedes on other people's um, freedom of association and, and what they, they feel is their dignity. So it, it's a difficult thing because I think when it comes to Roman, I'm, I'm debating the principle of the matter, whereas with Jonathan, it is the technicality of it. Um, and it could be, but what I think is, if, if you're going to say that, you know, we can't control what people say, then obviously my counter would be, but who then gives us the right to, to control what they do? So if, if somebody steals something, if somebody commits a murder, if some, who gives us the, that authority to put that person away for the rest of their life? There needs to come a, a point in time where we draw a line and we say, this is acceptable, this is not acceptable. And I understand your concern of who are the ones that decide. And I can agree with you. Um, and that is why I don't have the answer to that. But what I do know is that our constitution is considered one of the best constitutions in the world. Is it perfect? No, it's not perfect. Yeah, but, uh, is it, not, not by me, though. Yeah. Yeah, true, true. But Neither. is it better than anything else on the table at the moment? Yes. Because what alternative is there currently that you would recommend? And I'll give over to you now. Uh, with regards to what uh, Jonathan said, I think that I, I can secede a little bit and say that yes you know what you said makes sense but i I do think that vicky the the situation might not have been taken in complete context as to what she was going through because some people get away uh, with murder when they say that they were in a different state of mind whether or not it's her legal team that wasn't uh, adequate in in trying to portray that but then again how do you defend somebody using the k-word for more than 50 times so um, it, it's a really tough situation, but I do think that when you decide to say something hateful and hurtful and it, and, and it impacts on the way that we as South Africans interact with one another, because we have to take the context of what happened in our past into consideration, I do think that steps need to be taken because, as you know, as people that are on Twitter, just like me on social media that are being labeled left, right and center and attacked for our beliefs, um, we need some form of protection um, because if if we didn't have that, then I think that this country will be far more divided. So in my opinion, I think it's a good step for us to take action against people that do cross the line. And I'll give it over to you guys once more to just uh, rebuttal and then we'll move on to the next topic. Yeah, it's strange, Ronaldo. You keep on speaking about like a country divided. You know, this country shouldn't exist. No country <laughs> should exist. Communities exist. Right. I mean, I don't care if a country is divided. That's the that's the the essence of living in a free society. If you want, uh, you know, if you want people to agree, go live in North Korea. They all agree there under force. Um, <clears throat> no, um, words cannot impair. I mean, they can impair someone, but to assume that there's a standard 
of impairment is ridiculous. Dignity has no quantitative value. You can't say this has impaired me 80% or this has impaired me 40%. It's subjective. It's completely subjective. To assume that we can quantify that in law, to me, sounds sounds patently ridiculous. And uh, uh, let me let me jump in here because uh, I agree with what Ramon's just said. Uh, and we see this playing out in South Africa. You know, you talk about how we've, we've got this great constitution and, and everything's, you know, the way it should be almost in terms of that document. But we've already got this double standard that, that gets created because we've, we've created essentially a hate speech court, um, which punishes people. Vicky Momberg is a separate case. I'll speak to her now, but we've got instances where people are punished uh, for certain things. Uh, Penny Sparrow, as an example, was uh, heavily fined by that court. Um, and other individuals uh, say just as hateful things and are just given uh, smaller fines or are asked to give an apology or nothing happens to them. And uh, if you want to know what creates division, that creates division. Because if one group of people sees that when they say something uh, or their tribe says something, that person gets uh, given a 150,000 rand fine and the person from another tribe says something equally or what they view as more hateful uh, gets a, a written warning or a slap on the wrist or something like that. Uh, that 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 creates division. Um, look, Vicky Momberg, it's not about justifying rights. Are never about justifying what people do. Um, they they are about rights are not for your best people in your society. They're for your worst people in your society. And 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 it's it. This is the assumption that that you must be completely happy. It's not about you only. It's about the entire the entire grouping, but but I also think that you know you mentioned about prison and and, and murder and there's got to be a line in the sand and, and all of that. So look, I don't think words can harm you, I, and I don't really care if your feelings are harmed by words because I don't uh, I don't consider feelings to be important in this context. Uh, so you know, as sort of Ramon was referring to, I, I just I, I just don't think it's that important, and and so. You talk about prison for a murderer. Well, the reason we send murderers, uh, criminals to prison is we, uh, the, the, the common theory now is that we want to remove either a dangerous person from society, but we also want to try to rehabilitate people. Because even in South Africa, murder is a life sentence is 20 years. You murder someone at age 30, you probably still be around by the time you get out. You're meant to rehabilitate. I, I want to know if Vicky Mombo goes to prison, what rehabilitation is she going to receive? I don't think any of these punishments uh, help these people. In fact, I consider these punishments to actually further racism and further entrench these people's beliefs. I do not believe Penny Sparrow is any less of a racist today than she was when she made that comment. I don't believe Vicky Momberg will be any less of a racist tomorrow or in a year's time when she goes to prison. Yeah, but sorry, let me just interject yes, here. I'm sorry, yeah. Ronaldo. Why do we care if she's a racist or not? Like, I mean, who seriously... Okay, can I swear on your stream? I'm not too sure. We didn't ask. Yeah, you're more than welcome. Like, I mean, it gives an actual fuck. What danger does she pose to society? <laughs> She's an estate agent, the least trusted profession in the world. I've dealt with estate agents. She exemplifies all aspects of them. She brought a character witness in to that says... Um, Vicky Momberg is the worst person I've ever met in my life because she's dumb and racist. Why do we care if she's a racist? Racists exist in a free society. So how you deal with them, you just don't speak to them or you boycott their shitty businesses. To put them in prison 
for saying a racial slur or epithet is is patently ridiculous, anti-freedom and anti-free speech. And if you don't have free speech, if you don't like it, live in a society without one. Much worse. Okay. Well, well, let me get in there now. So there's two things that I want to... The first thing is... The, the thing that I want to say is I, I think we all can agree that there's currently a double standard when it comes to racism in this country, right? I think we all can agree on that. Sure. And Jonathan? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Okay. So that is just something that I wanted to mention that we all agree on. So the fact that, you know, I understand that there, there was a different set of rules for um, Penny Sparrow, and there was even a different set of rules for that. I think it is it Zuma's son or somebody that recently got off with a lesser Edward, fine. Edward Zuma, yeah. Yeah. So his son, the, the, the way that it is applied, in my opinion, is not fair. It, it's definitely not fair. The second thing that I want to say back to Roman is the fact that whether or not, in my humble opinion, and rehabilitates that person, I honestly couldn't give two shits. I think it needs to serve as a deterrent. And when you say that, you know, racists should be allowed to be exposed and be there, that's mm-hmm. all good and fine. But like I said, we live in a country where racism has caused us nearly to go into a civil war in this country. And it has, it has impacted millions of people. So, Racism over here in South Africa, I think, I mean, you can't compare it to America because of slavery. Well, I think you can. But what I do think is that if it serves as a deterrent, then it, it serves its purpose. And also, if, 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 if you have people like Julius Malema and if you have people like Vicky Momberg and Penny Sparrow loose on social media, there's already there's. There's already this thing where social media is seen as the way that the majority of people in this country feel. So when somebody on Twitter makes something trend, then everybody thinks that that is how the majority of people in this country feels. I think we need to have these uh, checks and balances in place to make sure that these people are taken to task to avoid that mentality to think that all white people think like this or all black people think like that. Because unfortunately, we live in a modern day society when people actually think like that, when we, in actual fact, know that it's the vast minority on either side. Um, I do think that racists need to be taken away or their public platforms need to be taken away. Um, And if they want to go underground, then I'm happy with that. So, Roman, you would like them out in the public for everybody to see them. I think that's dangerous because then it creates that mentality that that's how the majority of people feel. I would rather let those people go underground and be secret racists because then they don't influence the the majority of people out there that think that social media speaks on behalf of them. Yeah, but like that's what happened to the Nazis, Ronaldo. Um, you know, the anti-Semitic nationalists. Um, we don't want these in polite society. We'll just ban them. And send them to prison. And then you send them to prison. Then they write a book called Mein Kampf. And they come out of prison. Then they gather followings. They gather followers. They get support. And then sooner or later, they're running the damn country. If you send something underground because you don't like it, you make it stronger. Because they prove mm-hmm. to themselves and their followers that we have the truth. And the powers that be don't want us to say it. That's why they're banning us. And in the age of the internet, to think you can ban anything is uh, romantic, very romantic in my eyes. Okay, but okay. Not in public, I, I, Steve, I have to interject. Sorry, Ronaldo, just one second, one second. Steve Hoffman, okay. right? I think he's a racist. I know him. I think by the way. He plays my papa, by the way, just so you know. He's, he's my actual dad. Oh, okay. Just so Perfect. you know. Your dad is a racist. So I don't know if you guys can see that I look like Your him. Your dad is a racist. 
and um, <laughs> and no one cares anymore. He's out in public. He's not in jail. He's not underground. People just laugh and and you know send him silly memes on Twitter. That's what you but need to they do. Don't, to they don't. They don't do that. I mean, you on Twitter should know that they don't do that. And look, I mean, we can we we know like. Jonathan, Roman, and, and, and myself, we know that Twitter isn't real life in the sense that it represents the majority of people. But there are many people out there that think that Steve Hoffmeyer speaks on behalf of every single white person out there. And they, they, they do actually believe and that. Is their right and to there be are white people in a democracy. that. Think, I don't care. Yes, but, no, but what I'm saying is we create this, we create this uh, thing where people start thinking. And I mean, we have to be real. Let's be real with one another, or at least I'll be real, in the sense that I'm saying that if we had to have a society that was well-educated and, and understood what their rights are, do you really think that the ANC would still have over 60% of the vote in this country? No. In my humble opinion, they wouldn't. So we have to take that into context and understand that when people like Steve Hoffman and Julius Malema speak, then there are a bunch of uneducated people out there that think that they represent the people um, that they are speaking on behalf of. Steve Hofmeyer is, in my opinion, a massive racist. Julius Malema, in my opinion, is a massive racist. And if they say something that crosses the line, they need to be held accountable in a court of law. Because I honestly believe that the court of uh, our courts are, are still very much impartial. Um, you guys might be able, you might want to debate that, but I do think that our court system at least is still functional in the sense that they do get things right most of the time as as opposed to getting things wrong. What do you have to say on that? Ronaldo, do you think that uh, Julius Malema speaks for all black people? I don't. Okay, good. Uh, and I, I don't think many white people do either. Like, I, do you think that a lot of white people think that? Because I think there's a bit of soft bigotry of low expectations coming in there. I think there's a lot of, there's a bit of, there's a bit of the sense that, um, you know, the average uh, black person who's poorly educated, which is unfortunately is a lot of our country as a result of our really shitty education system, because socialism sucks. Um, they're really there are a lot of very poorly educated people out there, and and so they're unable to assess situations. Um, I, I'm not look. I think the the reason why people vote for the ANC again and again is is very complex, and is is more than just they see a white person such as Steve Hoffmeyer saying something and they go, he speaks for all white people. I, I don't think that's necessarily true. I mean, in my dealings, I, and that's anecdotal, obviously, but in my dealings, I don't I don't see that at all. And and in fact, in the Institute of Race Relations. Uh, data. Uh, the data shows that most South Africans uh, consider each other, you know, um, comrades. They, <laughs> to use the, the terminology, they, 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 they like each other. And, and in fact, in that polling, black people think best uh, of white people more than white people think best of black people. Though it's high amongst all the groups, it's I think it's in the high seventies or eighties for all the groups with, with, in, in terms of how they view the other groups. Um, so I, I'm not, uh, I, I don't really buy that argument. And I just, I just want to point something out. You know, in Europe, uh, the neo-Nazi sort of uh, party, no, not necessarily party, but the, the people who are involved in that group, uh, Germany, for example, that's a big underground grouping that is pretty much uncontrollable. And the reason is, is because in Germany, if you even so much as draw a swastika, uh, you can go to prison. Um, the United States, on the other hand, 
you know, everyone's going on about there being millions of Nazis, but the reality is, is that the Ku Klux Klan and, and, and neo-Nazis and all of that probably make up about 10,000 people in a population of 350 million. And there was a court ruling quite a long time ago. I think it was the 50s or 60s. It's the Supreme Court in the United States. It's called the Skokie Affair. Uh, which, sure, which basically basically gave permission for, for, for neo-Nazis to march in the street. And that's the way we should go. Because if you want to be an idiot, if you want to be a racist, a bigot, an anti-Semite, whatever you want to be, then you should be allowed to show everyone what you are, and then you should suffer the consequences of that, whatever they may be. But they, that, those consequences should be decided by the free markets, which is people, individuals. But isn't that what happened to um, the, what was it, the Black Monday? I mean, that, that is something that happened, and, and it, they were, in my opinion, the mass media, which we can argue about also. But, I mean, I think the majority of people condemned the action of what happened on Black Monday. So to an extent that is happening. It is it's just an extreme cases when people are actually standing up and saying okay no this is where the courts need to come in. Look the 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 thing is is no court action required we go back to this Vicky Momberg case again. Why is there a court action required? Why does she need to go to prison? I mean there's a whole bunch of issues related to her going to prison not to mention the fact that we all have to pay for her to live now which currently I don't have to pay for her to live. But the 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 reality is is that Vicky Momberg's a racist. Everyone now knows she's a racist. She's she's quite a, I mean, 50-odd times to, to use the K-word is really like, I mean, it's vile. So reality is, is when is she going to be selling another house? Never. Her, her career is ruined. Her, her, her form of income is ruined. She's going to be shunned by most people. Anyone decent is going to shun her. That, that's going to happen already. That's that's her punishment. And I don't know what the, 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 the sort of drive and necessity to put someone into prison. What, why does that make feel, people feel better? What is, that, what is that about? So then would the two of you say that somebody like Julius Malema should just also be allowed to continue with his public platform and saying the stuff that he's saying about white people as an example? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. And the only reason okay. is we, we now know who the enemy is, right? <laughs> if you got someone in power who says, I'm going to cut the thread of whiteness, and then backtracks yeah. and says, I oh, know it's a metaphor, and then he fucks up and doesn't take Ethel Trollope out, he's an idiot. Like, he's, he's, a, he's a moron. And we can and, and see Ronaldo. that because he did it in public, didn't get sent to jail, and look, now he's got less credibility than ever. Yeah, and you really think he's got less credibility, though? Absolutely. And not only that, um, I, and that's the point I just want to make, is this year Julius cocked up supremely he's made a whole bunch of statements which have shown him to be a complete racist and bigot um he's turned a lot of people off maybe he's still got his base i wouldn't argue that but the point is is two years ago he was a serious politician now we have left-wing media outlets writing articles which say julius malema is a racist so where are we better off putting him in prison six years ago whatever it was for singing uh, kill shoot the boer okay uh, or are we better off letting him carry on and eventually giving him enough rope that he hangs himself? We're better off where we are now. Now, not only you and I dislike him and Ramon, and we all see him as a racist, but people at the Mail and Guardian, who's the, like, it's a left-wing cesspit, are writing that he's a racist. We win. Yeah, uh, look, okay, I, I can I can understand to an extent, and, I, and I'll admit that I do agree with you that maybe if you put somebody like Malema away six years ago, he might have like actually received more support as it stands right now. So, okay, I'll, I'll admit that, yes, there are valid arguments to that point. 
However, I, I still fundamentally disagree in the sense that I think that, you know, we live in a country where we are so racially divided at the moment that we need to have check and ba- checks and balances in place so that prevents something evidence? from going a little bit overboard. Sorry? How are we racially divided? What evidence do you have for that uh, claim? Well, I mean, you just need to look at the the election results firstly and then secondly you just need to look at social media and as much as i know that social media doesn't represent the majority of people out there social media is assumed to be the measuring stick of how people feel in this country well only because the media reports on social media because they're lazy and can't do stories for themselves uh but look another point that i think that we all agree on sorry i'm sorry for interrupting i think i want to mention this is the fact that we all agree here that msm which is mass what is it um mainstream media mainstream media media is in it for themselves they're in it to sell papers they're in it to make as much money as possible they're not there to actually report on news that are accurate and fair they are, just, they are just there to report on sensationalism. I think we can all agree. Right. That. So, Ronaldo, if racism is so prevalent and so, you know, um, happens all the time, every day, why do we know the name Penny Sparrow? Why do we know the name Vicky Momberg or Velapi Kumalo? Why do we know those people? Because they perform racist acts in public and we know who they are. We know them by name. So... To assume that racism is, is widespread and prevalent, as much as you suggest, um, these wouldn't make the news, but somehow they do. Not that I trust you know, media to, to do a proper job about it, but I mean, if, if racism was an everyday scenario, why do these people make the news then? Yeah, no, I can agree with that as well. Um, I have to say, that I think we need to give Roman more time to speak, because whenever he speaks, the viewers go up because people apparently love his voice. Um, not so much his face, perhaps, but definitely his voice. That's um, America is too bad. Oh, shit. Uh, all right. So, okay. I think, look, um, I think that we, we've dealt with the topic. Uh, I think that uh, people in the comment section are, are having fun. Um, I, I have to say that I'm very happy to report that there are a bunch of people that agree with you on it, too. Um, and there are also a lot of people that think that um, the fact that you know, if, if we don't act against racism um, in the sense of making people aware that they can go and there can be penalties for them saying the stuff that they're saying. So I don't know. I, I think that, yeah, look, we ne- we ne- we're never going to convince each other of a different point of view here. The point is just to have a healthy debate. Um, so can I can I confirm that maybe we move on to the next topic? Are you guys happy with that? Sure, happy. I mean, it's your, it's your platform, Ronaldo. You direct the conversation. Hey, it's my platform, but I like to be fair. Um, so, okay, I think uh, let, let's move on to... politicians aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for those of you who don't know, I am a politician for the Democratic Alliance, but I'm not speaking on behalf of the DA, I'm speaking on behalf of Ronaldo Close. So another topic that I think that is very important and, and some that uh, a lot of my own subscribers disagree with me on is the, the point of white privilege. Now, I would actually like maybe for one of you guys to start and, and give your view here, um, because as much as I, I don't want to use it um, as a disagreement, I rather want to hear your views on it so that I can give my view on it too. So um, let's start with Jonathan on this. Sorry, may I just interject? Sorry, Ronaldo. Um, can yeah. we just have your definition of it first? So that it was just we understand that the definition is shared by all of us, if okay. possible. So my... my Definition of white privilege is the fact 
and I have to go into explaining it in order to define the definition, is the fact that in this country in 2018, um, there are still uh, a discrepancy between what white people on average have in this country versus what black people on average have in this country. So there's race, so, race inequality. Yes, race inequality, yeah. but also the fact that because of that, the economic economic condition for them is a lot more difficult than for that for an individual that is uh, Caucasian. So it's, it's so just just to clarify that it's not a global it's not a global definition. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the South African context alone. Well, the problem is, is these words come from, uh, uh, you know, basically neo-Marxists in the U.S. So the reality is, is uh, where I stand on white privilege is white privilege does not exist. I do not buy the concept at all on any level. Firstly, I have a problem with the idea of privilege being a negative thing. I happen to consider privilege to be something you should aspire to. It's something uh, I've tried to aspire to uh, in my life and have been uh, fortunate enough um, and in, worked hard enough and done all the necessary stuff I have, have needed to do to get to where I want to be thus far. Um, I don't believe in white privilege specifically uh, because the problem is, is once again, it's a lumping into a grouping. So if you, you then want to now say that every single white person is privileged, um, and in that definition of the privilege, the privilege is you have a lot of stuff, but you having a lot of stuff is a negative. Um, and and I just I just don't buy it. There are some white people who under that definition would be privileged. There's some white people who wouldn't be. There's some black people who would be privileged, black people who wouldn't be. It's just it's it's a completely useless term term to be using. All right. Um, Roman. Well, I think privilege exists, and I don't collectivize it in terms of racial groups or, or other sort of groups. Uh, I mean, you know, the fact that we bought, you know, someone's born in Sweden as opposed to South Africa is a privilege, right? Um, the fact that uh, I have a car is a privilege compared to someone who doesn't. The fact that I have tertiary education is a privilege compared to someone who doesn't. Uh, someone who doesn't may be any race possible. Um, you know, to assume that. I, people that share my complexion, which is half Arab, half French, so I'm not completely white, half. Um, <clears throat> somehow that we are you all like privileged. You like to point to, that out quite often. Eh? Well, I think it's an important point because races don't exist in a technical sense. But I think it's an important point that... Ah, that's not true. Jonathan, I'm half French, half Dutch. Well, there you go. There you go. Race exists in a technical sense because it's a biological indicator. It's as simple as that. Okay, race realistic. I agree. I'm not a race realist at all. It's just a, it's a content just, of melanin in your skin. Yes, no, I'm just not really anything necessarily. Fighting amongst each other, yeah, they're doing my know. job. Yeah, but, but race, race, race doesn't mean anything in the in in context of humanity. Just because you're born with separate skin colors doesn't make us different in 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 absolute ways, and that's true. So, privilege does exist. Uh, collectivizing it in terms of race is probably racist uh, if i have to make that point and <clears throat> the way that it's done is odd because white privilege is used as a battering ram against people it happened to someone in your party recently natasha mazzoni who says my father came here dirt poor and he made it life for himself she got uh, trashed on social media um <clears throat> then she says okay fine i spoke to you CBS, and now i know i actually have white privilege and then she got trashed once again. Uh, so the argument is not about actually 
trying to change people's perception. The argument is to humiliate people who argue about privilege and who say they don't have it. That's what the argument is about. Is there inequality mm. in South Africa? Of course there is. In a free society, there always will be. Um, are they responsible for the last, you know, are white people, so-called white people responsible for the last 25 years of maladministration, shit education and stagnant economy? Um, no, not really. So the black middle class is bigger than the white middle class. There has been social uh, stratification. Yeah, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Uh, that's life. Okay, but uh, well, it's a good thing. I need to start learning to write things down because there was a couple of things that the reason that the black middle class is bigger than the white middle class is because there are far more black people in this country than white. Oh, if, thank if, God uh, for that. I mean, I, I well, want black people to be in the majority in like everything because they're the, the most populous population. It makes sense. Okay, well, the, let, let me rather stick to what I wanted to say. I think that if if the if we were on equal footing with our history, like if there were the same amount of black people in this country as white, um, and everything had to run the course that it did, then you would see that the the average black person in this country that are considered wealthy or middle class would be far less. But let me let me give my input into this, and I'll I'll keep it as as, as brief as I can because I can't even explain it. I don't do it justice when I explain it. So my understanding is people get way too sensitive when this word gets out there because they start thinking that when you mention that word, you are attacking what they are and what their parents are. White privilege is a game of averages in this country. It's not, uh, you know, it's not telling a white person, listen, um, everything that you've worked for is, is, is because uh, you got lucky. It, it doesn't mean that a white person didn't work to get where they are. In, in all contrary, it, it actually just says that the reason that black people are not on equal footing in this country is because of the legacy of apartheid. And sure. yes, I can fully agree with you that, uh, you know, we need to ask the question of who do we blame apartheid all the time for the situation that we are currently in? Or do we also have to blame the current government for their lack of enforcing economic conditions for black people to uplift, uplift themselves. And I find it quite ironic that it's three white people arguing about this point, uh, <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. It's like three white people arguing on behalf of a black individual. Yeah, which I, is, sorry, let me just make my point, though. So the point that I want to make is it's not attacking a white person saying that what you've done in your life you didn't deserve, right? The point that I want to make is that because of the history of this country in order on average for uh, a white person to succeed it was a lot easier the road to success as opposed to a black individual and i will use apartheid as a reason so when 1994 you know uh, came into existence millions of black people didn't suddenly become educated or middle class they still had the same parents that had to work low-key jobs as a petrol pump attendant or as a domestic worker in order to provide for their family. Um, and because of that, their children couldn't go to university or they couldn't have the easy access uh, to get like a hand-me-down car as on average a white individual would get in order to go to university. Those that were lucky enough to do it, like I said, couldn't have a car. They needed to take three taxis to go to university, stay there the whole day versus a white individual that only on average had to go to his class at 12 o'clock until 2 o'clock and then could go home. So those are the type of things that I'm referring to. My, my point is just that 
on average for a white individual to succeed in this country, even today, uh, it's far easier for a white individual to do that on average than a black person. All right, Ronaldo. Sorry, Jonathan. Just one question from me. If I take everything that you say as true, and I agree racial inequality is was caused by apartheid, um, and white privilege does exist, let's just say I argue for that. Uh, okay, what do you want me to do? What, what point are you trying to achieve? Uh, what changes are you trying to make? Uh, what is the point of even speaking well, about going, this? That, that's going to lead into the, the third one, which is affirmative action and broad-based black economic empowerment. And to an extent, also the education um, becoming free for those that uh, deserve it from previously disadvantaged areas. But what I do think that we can start off right now is acknowledge the fact that it, that it actually exists. Because people are fighting tooth and nail saying that it, it doesn't exist. And whether you use the term white privilege or whether you, you use the term black tax, I think that those two are interchangeable, if I can no, put it that because way. Because the black tax doesn't refer to that. I mean, the, no, black, what I'm saying, the black tax is, a, is, is a net effect, I suppose, of what you're arguing. Yeah, you're right. I, I want to say that the black tax will form part of, uh, you know, the white privilege. Yeah, it's it's just this this problem is, is, is you, you know, when you go on average – then, then I mean, it's technically true. That the problem is, is that uh, you, you're making an equality argument, and uh, you know that's something else we can get into. Maybe that comes into the uh, BE side of things. Uh, equality is is a lot of horseshit. So, so <laughs> from my perspective, so it's it, 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 as I said when I started, this is neo-Marxist stuff, and all they've done is they've gone uh, the bourgeoisie in this case is the white privilege, the people with white privilege, and the proletariat is the people without. And it's just another terminology for the exact same thing to achieve the exact same purpose. I, I, I cannot engage with these types of terms, which ultimately have very destructive ends and uh, are completely disingenuous. They're not uh, trying to really help anyone. They're trying to bring one grouping down to another grouping. Instead of bringing that grouping, which I agree with you, uh, are in a shitty place up. There's, that's the thing. As Ramon says, what are you trying to do? Like, fine, if you go, I have white privilege, you see someone like Natasha Mazzoni um, prostrate herself in front of, in front of Eusebius, um, and the ne very next day she's getting annihilated for it on, on, on social media. You, you won't win if you, if you go down this road. There's no way to win. You, you, but, you, okay, let me just get in there and say that this is not a thing of winning or losing. This is something as a belief that you have. No, I'm it is about winning this. or losing, Ronaldo. The, the world at the moment is definitely about winning or losing. There are, there, you know, the idea that these things are isolated, siloed principles and they don't feed into a larger agenda, they don't feed into larger ideologies is not true. Uh, the, the, the bottom line is, is that they all feed, they all come from somewhere. They're not, and they're not coming from nowhere. And the, the ultimate intentions and agendas of the people who are clever enough to know this uh, it, it leads us to very dark places. So it is about winning ultimately, and it is about losing ultimately. And I don't want any white people to lose, and I don't want any black people to lose. And I'm not trying to protect my privilege to the expense of black people, as, that, as, as would be argued. I want everyone to have free access to the market, to have equal opportunity. But white privilege is not an argument about equal opportunity. No one's trying to make that. They're trying to make an equal outcome argument. Um, Ramon, anything you want to add to that? Um, no. Well, the only thing I can say is that, you know, the only people who talk about white privilege are other whites, to me. 
for some reason. Um, I speak to, I have a lot of black compatriots and colleagues and friends, and I say the terms white privilege and uh, there's a bit of a blank stare there. It's just a, a bourgeois circle jerk of woke whites um, that, that use it to make themselves feel good. I don't think there's any substantial <clears throat> or critical claims about it that stand up to any scrutiny whatsoever. Yeah, look, I mean, to get back to Jonathan with regards to the winning and losing thing, I, I think maybe that might be the case for, for some people out there, like, uh, you know, the individual that you mentioned, um, which I don't really want to get into because she's part of the organization that I'm a part of. She can speak on behalf of herself. But when, when I acknowledge... As a spokesperson, I think. <laughs> hey, come now. Uh, my point that I want to make is I think that... When I mention it, it's not an argument for me of winning or losing, right? There might be other people out there that make it an argument about winning or losing. For me, it's just an acknowledgement that it exists. And once you start there, um, it, it furthers move into the point of walking a mile in somebody else's shoes. Because people are very much living in silos. They live in their own bubble. They they don't really understand the concept of, of, you know, what it's like to be, let's say, in, you know, on the other spectrum. Just as I find it completely idiotic when people are proud of the fact that they're white. I mean, that is something that's completely, in my humble opinion, idiotic. You know, I'm proud that I'm white. But okay, cool. Like you had any say in that matter. You know, like you chose to be white. I'm a proud uh, Arab, or man. black. Don't take that away from me. Well, Jesus. No, no. I'm, <laughs> my history and my culture and identity now is all fucked because you say I can't be proud of being a French <laughs> Arab. No, no, no. I'm, I'm saying you, you, like, I'm talking about race. I'm talking about the fact, I mean, it, it's like being proud that you've got blonde hair or being proud that you've got blue eyes. I mean, it's something that you didn't have any control over. Um, I'm not talking about the, the cultural um, aspect of it or the heritage aspect of it because that's different. Uh, you get colored people that are Afrikaans that consider that their culture Afrikaans or Af- being an Afrikaner. Um, so there's, it's got nothing to do with race. But what, what the conversation that I think that we need to have, um, the, similar to what, in my opinion, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission tried to do, but terribly failed at, was to let people understand what the other side went through. And I think that if we had to have this discussion and just consider that, you know, you need to consider yourself um, in the situation that you are right now and why you are in that situation. I think that's an important step for us to reach uh, a consensus with one another in order to understand one another better. So it's not a guilt trip. It's not something that I want to put on you to say, well, the reason you've succeeded is because of white privilege. For me, it's rather an issue of understanding that, you know, uh, the reason that people might not be as far in life as you might be because of something like that. Yeah, but there will always be something like that, uh, uh, Ronaldo. You can take away white privilege. You can you can go 50 years into the future in South Africa where white people will probably <clears throat> be a point zero something percent of the population. And then there'll be something else because there will always be groups who succeed and groups who don't. So you, we remove race from it. And then what are you going to have? Are you going to have IQ privilege amongst people who were born cleverer than other people? Protein privilege amongst people who were... Uh, fed, breastfed versus ones that weren't. Um, you, there's always going to be a privilege. There are always society. You cannot, you cannot stratify society into the straight sort of line that you want it to be. There will always be those at the top and those at the bottom. Now, your argument that in South Africa, those at the top and those at the bottom was falsely created, that's a fair argument uh, with regards to apartheid. 
But um, I, I just, as, as we must maybe move on, because as Ramon says, so what? So what? If we buy your argument that all three of us sitting here have white privilege, all three of us uh, have gotten to where we are in some respect because of our race and not because of our achievements, as Musi Maimani says about his own wife, um, which frankly, I hope hey, she's not sleeping with him. Low blow, at the Jonathan, low blow. Um, um, like, no comment. Like, good, lovely. The point is, is fine, cool. Let's get to what do you want me to do about it? I want you, my ultimate goal, like I said, is for us to just acknowledge it. I think that's a first step. I think that's a sincere <laughs> first step coming from our side. And once we have that, maybe if, if nothing comes from it, it, it's just the fact that we can acknowledge it. Yeah. And, and, and I think, like, you- with Dalim. But like I said, I'm not sure if I raised this earlier, but I wanted to say that my intention is not to please uh, social media because to me, soul, as an example, might uh, herald me as a hero today and tomorrow I say something different and I'm completely uh, a right-wing racist. So I might not know what other people are doing it for, but for, for my reason, it is just to extend the olive branch in the sense of saying that, listen, I do understand it. And if I'm still called a racist for even... Uh, you know, believing in that and people want to talk me down from from a, a black perspective, then so be it. I just think it's acknowledging it so yeah. you can move the conversation. I, look, I can't, I can't wade into the pool of identity politics and, and acknowledge it. I, I think it's a very dangerous place to be. Uh, I, as I've said before, I think it leads to to very very bad things, and and I, I it's just not some something I'm prepared to uh, engage in. I, it's 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 really. You're not going to get that out of me, unfortunately. Yeah, no, that's fine. I just want to go yeah, back, Ronaldo. Okay, you said you know use it as a means to understand the other side. Okay, well, firstly, I don't think there are sides. I think there are individuals within a society. <clears throat> so if you you know if you say you know I'm, I'm privileged because of um, the past and I've got uh, social and material goods that were bestowed upon me due to my race, so therefore I'm going to try understand other people in my society. Um, yeah, go ahead. I, I get it. So, whatever you call it, social cohesion, I think is the is the is the word used these days. Uh, cool. I mean, I do that anyway without saying I got privilege. It's called work, uh, colleagues, social places. You know, I'm every single day I meet someone new or from another culture, from a different race, from a different religion. <clears throat> That's how you build understanding and uh, empathy, uh, not by personally, not by feeling guilty about being, you know a certain race. And that's happening all over the country. There's millions of interactions between different people with different beliefs. And yeah, that's called civilization. And it's happening every single day. But but don't you think um that that plays an important part in, in the in the fact of actually having us I mean, like I said, we're social cohesion. I mean people take this way too personally when you mention that. And that is not the way that it's supposed to be taken. It's not there to be used as an insult, although I do know on social media a lot of people use it as an insult. But then again, my point that I'm trying to make is I think it's just an understanding of us because there is no denying that the legacy of apartheid has caused more than three generations of black people not being close to being on equal footing than your a white person on average. It's important to say that because it, it doesn't reflect to the point that there aren't poor white people. It's merely just saying that we acknowledge that there's something that happened in the past. And on average, a white person is far uh, more, uh, they're going to succeed 
um, and, and have a lot less obstacles on their way to success than that of a black individual. Yeah, some might. You know, some black individuals has far less uh, obstacles than I did, right? The, just today, some guy at SA Express got a two billion rand tender for not supplying anything. You know, I wish yeah, I had that privilege. You know, sometimes it's also nice. But yeah, people, and, people are different, Ronaldo. Um, if people get along better because they're trying to understand each other, great. Uh, to use white privilege and argument to do that, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. And and how long, how long, uh, in your opinion, does this go on for, Ronaldo? Uh, uh, what is the end point? So uh, you say, you know, at, as we stand right now, you can talk about yourself, you can talk about us. We're, we're all where we are based on your premise, based, based on this, this privilege, which is based on our skin color. Um, your kids, their kids, uh, their kids, uh, how far down do you want to go? At which point uh, do you make people start taking responsibility for themselves as individuals? Uh, so, yes, we have this artificial thing in the past, no denying that. Did it affect people? Absolutely. No doubts. At which point do you give up on this, uh, on this, um, label so that you can just get on with things and people can take their own responsibility for, say, one white family has 10 children, one white family has two children. The white family with two children is more successful because they can afford to send those kids to university. One becomes a doctor, one becomes a lawyer. The one with 10 kids all become low-level workers, uh, and now the, 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 those 10 kids complain they didn't have privilege. That's not even yeah. on skin color. Look, I agree with you that, I mean, uh, this is something that I'm very open about, is that I don't, I don't know when that will be. But what I do know is that we need to, um, like I said earlier, we have to put a point in place where we so where we say when does the legacy of apartheid end the responsibility of the current government start or their failures rather so yeah i agree with you i don't know when that will be i just think that we need to take that initial step because with all due respect 24 years into this democracy i feel that on average white individuals haven't taken that upon themselves to even acknowledge that white people on the, on average believe that when 1994 happened, it, it doesn't matter, Ronaldo. White people don't control anything anymore. It doesn't matter. White people don't control the presidency. They don't control the police. They don't control the military. They don't control the economy. They don't control any of these things. The reality is, is that it doesn't matter whether I accept it or not. I will die in 30, 40, 50 years, and it makes no difference because the achievements that anyone in this country makes today have nothing to do really with me. And the reality is, is, if you want to break it down to race, which I hate doing, but if you want to break it down to race, then in South Africa going forward, white people are not controlling anything. So you can't, you can't, 24 years, if that's not good enough, 30, 40, 50, 60, this is the problem. There's no, there's no goals on white privilege. What do you, what do you want to achieve by saying it? What do you, where do we end the, the privilege? Where does it finish? There's, there's no timeline. There's no definitions. It's just a very, very poor strategy. Yeah. So where, where do you think the majority of the, the, the money in this country still like where, where that is currently? The majority of money in this country resides in the coffers of uh, the government who pissed it up against the wall or have put it in their own back pockets. There's no one richer than the government. The government's collecting a trillion rand in uh, in taxes uh, every year, yeah, well, and then complaining, but, but it's not enough. Both, my dad. But both of you are <laughs> wrong. Both of you are looking at this in the wrong way. You can say apartheid was terrible, ANC is terrible. Why do we bother about when does apartheid blame end? And just take away 
the legislature and the barriers to for people to realize their own their own lives i mean really take away the things that prohibit people from becoming middle class or becoming wealthy or becoming more free who cares let, let who is, who cares who's responsible just, just take I away the barriers ask, i wanted to ask you this because i think that I th- with with this answer, I can see um, Jonathan's liberal uh, ideology kicking in in the sense that it's about self, sure. not about not about uh, community, right? Now, you your your answer to everything is break it away. Let, let's just like let's not have government. Let's not have this. So now, my my because I've heard it so many times. But what is your solution? What are we replacing it with? Communities. The way people live as if, like today, right? So you go to every village, you go to the Zulu kingdom, you go to the Kwanza kingdom, you go to the CBD of Cape Town. People just happen to live together and they trade with each other and they speak to each other and they fuck each other and they talk and they debate and they drive together in cars. Those That's called communities. Those are called networks. It happens without anyone telling them to do it. So you That's mean like necklacing, happen, like necklacing happening in order to to when somebody breaks the law, um, there's no judges, there's nothing. It's just necklacing. Yeah, that ne- necklacing happens when the governance breaks down, and the governance we have is an in- inept state. Why communities can have their own governance? They do that anyway. Yeah. That's called necklacing. We might not agree with it. I don't agree with it. Certainly not because there's no due process. But um, yeah, governance and rules and internal regulations, you know. Emit from communities living together. Go to a golf estate, well, you know, these white ghettos filled with rich white people. They got their own rules. They built their own roads. They got their own, you can only drive at 20 k's an hour. Oh, sorry, to... Danu and Popo, I think, lives in one of those. Right. Okay. He's, a, he's a, the, one, the one black chap that lives in one. But, uh, you know, they got their own rules. They build their own roads. You have to give a license if you go visit anyone. You have to have sex with your next door neighbor's wife because they're all swingers. You must do cocaine on Thursdays. <laughs> Those are all internal <laughs> rules of the community. And uh, uh, I'm being flippant, but it's an important point here. Rules come from society, from the bottom up. And we, <clears throat> what we try to do is replace it from the top down. And that's fucked up everything. Apartheid was caused by the state. The ANC was caused by the state. Colonialism was caused by the state. And now what do you want? More state to solve the problems that the state created in the first place. Come now. Let's but be I, serious. I, I disagree with you. I mean, there was, I'm not sure if you've seen the Family Guy episode where they have this exact premise of saying that, you know, um, governments is evil. We need to get rid of it. Tax money is being wasted. We need to get rid of it and start our own community. And then that in actual fact, I'm not sure if you've seen it. I'll send you the link to the Family Guy episode. But what happens in that episode is that they – Complete anarchy breaks out because of lawlessness, because of people stealing from each other, because um, the communities that are more successful are targeted by other people. And it's sort of a Mad Max situation that breaks out. Um, and then at the end, they say, OK, cool. Well, how are we going to fix all of this? OK, well, let's uh, vote for some representatives to speak on behalf of every community. And then they end up with the exact same system, which is a government that looks after the majority of the people. Sure, but it's a government from the bottom up. Order emanates from the bottom up. That's far fairer and better than top down. Well, I mean, as somebody that is in local politics, uh, that is how it works. There's three spheres of government. And the the most important, in my humble opinion, is that of local government, which is to represent the needs of the community that they live in. Yeah. Um, so as, as a councillor, I represent the, my constituency. Um, and every other councillor represents theirs. We get together as a council, and then we vote based on what's important for every constituency. 
Sure. How much power do you have to to have budgets and laws enforced and things like that? Not much. The national government controls all that. You got yeah, some. Well, look, got I, some. I agree that why there are some points council, that. Why can't your council make the rules for your communities and enforce? Well, them? they do. That is no, but well, to an extent. Them. It's and taking place it. with bylaw enforcement. And then every tax from your community goes to you to impose the rules of that community. Well, that's, that's what rates and taxes... Well, that's, that, but that's anarchy. It's a structural government, anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm okay. not getting into this one. I'm a small government guy. so I, I have I, to I, say, Jonathan, you're very quiet. Eh? What's going on? <laughs> you told me to shut the fuck up before we started the debate. <laughs> Listen, all right, so at this point in time, guys, uh, we've got 181 people watching. Uh, it's doing really, really well. Um, I want to plug um, the Renegade Report. Guys, please be sure to check them out. I did put a link in the description below where you can check out um, their podcasts on Cliff Central. Um, I'm not sure where they can actually subscribe to you guys. Do you want to just mention that? Well, on, on iTunes, any uh, podcast app, and on the Cliff Central app itself as well, and on the website, cliffcentral.com forward slash renegade report. Yeah, okay, if awesome. you've never heard about it before, then uh, go have a look at some of the previous podcasts. We've got over two years of podcasts, including two with Jordan Peterson, uh, Gad Sad, some great international guests, and uh, some really great local ones as well, and a variety of topics. Yeah, and I have to say that obviously they are also on Patreon. Be sure to support them. But before you support them on Patreon, support me on Patreon because I need cash more than what they do. Um, I'm a mere politician, so I need more funds in my pocket, obviously. Um, but I have to say, you know, when I did briefly move into the podcast sphere, I did go above them. Um, <laughs> oh, I moved one day. I chart for a little bit, and then I decided I'll move back into the video sphere because that's all I've got time for. Um, but yeah, uh, please do support them. I love, enjoy, I, I enjoy their podcast. I listen to it. Um, it's very, very cool to, to have, uh, you know, a local podcast that makes you think and makes you ask questions um, as opposed to the Yusufus Makaiza show, which is a complete drivel. And I think we all can agree on that one. Yeah. No, hey, don't no, be so argument. quiet. No, no arguments. Yeah. Look, no, I mean, <laughs> CBS is a, he used to have as his Twitter bio that he was a debating champion. And uh, it's hilarious because he refuses to debate anyone. The minute you give him a counterpoint, he cuts you off. So, uh, frankly, he's a charlatan. And uh, I, the longer 702 keeps him on air, the more listeners they're bleeding. But it's fine because we're picking up a lot of them. So I've got no complaints. Well, that's perfect. Um, all right. Look, I think we're going to have time for a round of questions because we're going to move on to the last one, um, the last topic now to discuss briefly, um, and that is affirmative action and broad-based black economic empowerment, which I think it, it ties into to the white privilege argument, so it might not be one that goes on for that long. So there will be a round of questions that we can take. Um, I have to say that the, the comment section is very neutral. Um, which I enjoy. I think that it's, you know, it's good to have a robust debate with people and ask questions. So I think with uh, affirmative action and broad-based black economic empowerment, I'll start so that you guys can counter and, and say what your beliefs on it is. The, the current system of affirmative action and broad-based black economic empowerment is not working. It's not. There is no denying the fact that the government has absolutely failed miserably at, at implementing that system in, 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 Instead of making a lot of people more um, accessible to wealth, they have made a few people billionaires. So I think the system has completely failed. 
but with that being said, I do think that we need a system in place to right the wrongs of the past. Um, and some might see it as being discriminatory towards those people currently that um, in this case is white individuals. Um, and this will obviously play into the whole argument of, of white privilege again. And this goes on to the discussion that I think the question that you asked, Jonathan, in the sense that how long does this need to go on for? Um, because I think a first step is to acknowledge that white privilege exists in this country. Um, and then secondly, what we can do in order to make sure that white privilege isn't as prevalent. And the way in doing that is by implementing policies to give people an equal footing, not a benefit, not something over another race, but rather to fix 45 years of oppression. And we can go back further and, and talk about, um, you know, colonialism and slavery and stuff. But um, my, my views on that differ, I think, as to what my, my views differ on, on things that have a, a direct impact, such as apartheid. So uh, to conclude, I know I'm rambling on, but I, I do think that we need to have policies in place that might some people might consider to discriminate against them, um, and especially the younger generation. When I debated with Willem Petzer, I only realized halfway through the conversation that he was 21 years old. So we have a youth currently that is being impacted on things that they technically really shouldn't be because the government should have been adequate, but they weren't. But my stance is still there that we do need uh, you know, things to fix the wrongs of the past and affirmative action and broad-based black economic empowerment is something that I would support. Uh, just, can I just say I am, I'm utterly shocked that a system of redistribution of wealth hasn't worked. Uh, just completely You're shocked. You're both wrong. You're both wrong. <laughs> its point was to create black billionaires. That was the point. No, the, that was the, I don't know, no, that, that was the point. The, go, back, the point. go back to how it started. How did it start? When you had white monopoly capital in the late 80s started to fund the ANC because they saw the apartheid system was falling over. How did they fund the ANC? They said, oh, come join us on the boards. You know, the, the laws are relaxing. Black people are allowed into the office and workplaces now. So we'll just, you know, hop you, you know, hop onto the board seats. Uh, we'll pay you a salary. We'll give you shares. And with that, you can fund the ANC. That was the basis of the current BE legislation, which was to create rich people in the ANC to fund the ANC. So to say that it failed is not understanding the intention behind it. The intention was never to help ordinary black people in this country. Never. Uh, well, I mean, I, I think on principle, I, I disagree with you in the sense that if you look at the policies and how it's worded, um, look, I know implementation is a completely different thing, but I do think also that a lot of businesses got a way to work around it in order to get more tenders from the government by enriching themselves first right. and foremost and, did, and then a byproduct to get tenders Ronaldo no, but what I'm saying is the byproduct of that is that they made one or two people in that company that were previously disadvantaged very very wealthy <laughs> and I do think that Cyril Ramaphosa is an example of this yeah I mean okay let's Let's, if, even if Ramon's right, even if he's correct that the, of uh, right. you know, that, they, they, well, yes, of course you think that. But of course you are even, right. Yeah. Even if he, even if he, even if he's correct that while they wrote like fluffy words in the laws and whatever so that it looked like they really wanted to help the average man on the street, they always knew they were going to help themselves. Uh, fine. Even if we take that to be correct. What you're saying is regardless of whether that was the original intention, the intention now should be and should have always been 
that we should have this kind of policy to help uh, sort of overcome the inequalities of the past. That's basically your argument. Am I correct? Okay, yeah, but listen, okay, okay, I, I get you're going to get to a point, but I, with all due respect, I also haven't asked you a lot of questions. So mm. let me ask this before you get mm. to your point. Yeah. Like, like we all acknowledge that the legacy of apartheid is still with us and it played an important part, right? So what what would be your answer to to to, to would ah. you just say that we just need to leave it and not have any policies? What would be the two of your the two of your solutions? Leave it, do nothing, or do something? Free market economics, Ronaldo. So what we need to do is we need to deregulate. The state completely needs to step back and move away from things. I mean, the reality is you've got, you've got a whole bunch of things which are already in place, which are giving people, as you mentioned, a step up over other people based on their race. I mean, I didn't get into medicine just because I applied. I was one of 10 people accepted out of a class of 200 based on my race. The reality is, is that that process is already happening. The problem is, is if you've already got a uh, hundred thousand white doctors, it's going to take you a hell of a long time to get to a hundred thousand black doctors using that system. All right. The problem we have in South Africa is that the, we don't have a free market. So the, the average guy on the street, we he black, white, whatever color he happens to be, um, is, is really restricted from doing what he wants economically. There's a whole bunch of barriers in the way, including black economic empowerment, which is a barrier to creating jobs. It's a barrier to creating wealth. And the reality is, is the government needs to get their grubby little paws out of people's freedom. But we, we all agree on the fact that the government is corrupt. So I think we no, go to debate. No, no, not, I, I'm not talking about a capable state. I'm not doing a Helen Ziller here. <laughs> I don't want Cyril Ramaphosa involved in my business, and I don't want Helen Ziller involved in my business. Fuck off. You already steal my money every single month. Leave me alone beyond that, okay? I, I, I am already being kind enough to you by staying in your country and paying your shitty little tax. Now, leave me alone and let me do what I want with my life. When I want to open a business, don't make me go register it unnecessarily and at a costly expense with a government institution. When I want to do a certain service to people, don't make me have to get some permit that serves no purpose. Stop okay, but fucking with the process. But the thing is, this is the okay. This is why I fundamentally have to disagree with you because, as much as you're talking about a free market system, mm -hmm. you're assuming that everybody's equal as and has got equal accessibility to that free market. Sorry, say that again. So what I'm saying is that you're saying that the free market should decide everything out. But what then, what, what you're conveniently leaving out is the fact that there was 45 years of oppression in this country, which doesn't allow everybody in this country so, to participate so in that free market. If you want government market. involvement, then fine. Give certain people a, a step up. Turn around and, and work out how much it costs on average for a small business to get started for the first year and let people apply for that based on their previously disadvantaged status. Fine. You're already collecting taxes do that. If that's what you want to do, do it. But the point is, is there are so many obstacles to people starting businesses and to people doing things. You know, I, I'll, I'll give you an example. I, I know uh, I obviously work with a lot of nursing staff and I, I, I came across a midwife not too long ago. Absolutely superb, brilliant at her job. And she had an idea that basically what she wanted to do was she wanted to open up a small clinic in the township whereby she would offer to do uh, natural deliveries. Uh, which she was more than qualified to do. And she would have four beds in this little clinic and you would basically come in either in labor or you would book 
um, hopefully knowing your dates, and you'd come in and you'd give birth in her little clinic. And she's going to charge something at the time of around 850 Rand to do this. Uh, so there was going to be a premium over what it costs to go to public health care, but public health care can be quite unpleasant. So she, she had a good business model, frankly. She could not open the clinic because the health department has a ruling that you must have enough space to pass two wide stretches past each other in the corridor at the same time. And she couldn't find a location that had that availability. So no business open. Okay, here's a woman who could have opened a business which probably would have done very well based on how well, for example, doctor surgeries do in townships. All right. But was unable to do it because of restrictive re regulation. That but is the government getting the in the way. Yeah, but that is because of the incompetent government. But Cape Town's government's just as incompetent. The Western Cape has rules on opening ambulance services, which get decided by a few small people. It's, it, 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 and they think it's a control thing that it'll be better. But it, it, at the end of the day, it restricts business. This is the point. You think that, that, that there is this, this iconic government that can exist, which will somehow be able to solve all the world's problems because they will be competent and not corrupt. The reality is, is that the, m most people who rise to power in politics are not the most competent individuals. We should not be allowing them to get involved in the shit we want to be involved in. So I don't want to be involved in building roads. So, for example, I'm more than happy for them to outsource that to, to a private company, but to they can negotiate the contract. Couldn't give a shit about that. But stop telling me how to run my life, including my business, for example. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can agree on the fact that government should, to an extent, stay out of, you know, preventing um, people from opening their businesses and stuff. But, I mean, uh, that is why it, it, it affirmative action and broad-based black economic empowerment doesn't imply that you you have to do that. That is only when you want to have business from the government um, as an extent or if you want to open yourselves up to actually getting more uh, more jobs from from government through tenders um, and and no, dude, not, so not just to correct life. you, that, that's not true. Um, any large company will require you to have uh, a, a good BE rating before they. No, will for sure. But I mean, we're not talking about big companies. We, we're talking about like you as an example, talking about small companies that open up. Yeah, that, I had a, I owned a small company until a short while ago, and I can tell you there was tons of business that I was unable, just not allowed to apply for at medium to large enterprises, and so not just at large companies, but at medium to large enterprises. Frankly, I didn't chase government business very much because they don't pay. But the, the, <laughs> the medium to large enterprises all deal with each other based on BEE ratings now because the actual legislation, as it is currently, requires them to do so. I think we're yeah. getting a bit derailed here. So... Um, yeah, I'll bring it back, Ramon. Yeah, yeah, I'll bring the it back. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, firstly, uh, you know, prioritizing a race group of another is dumb and never works out. Uh, many great economists have written about affirmative action all over the world, and it has always failed. There's always negative uh, consequences to it, and namely that we don't trust the black people in our companies because we think they're all quota players. Sorry to use the term. And <clears throat> uh, number two, it doesn't help the poor people. Um, studies have shown time after time after time, uh, affirmative actions helps those people that don't need it. It helps the mm. ones with the skills. It helps the one that have the education. It helps the one that are competent in that job. So, um, if it's just a case of choosing between racial groups, okay, it works that instance. But in terms of helping people without skills, without education, it doesn't help them in the slightest at all. So, 
what then would you your what would you suggest we do? Because I mean, this is something that we keep on getting back to. Yeah. Um, what what would you do then? Because the ironic part is we all agree that the legacy of apartheid still exists in this country today, whether as a failure because of the current government or whether yeah. for whatever reason. What do we do to make sure that everybody becomes part of an inclusive um, society in which they can all be in a position to, to contribute to society? Well, that's very simple. Uh, government should fund and not manage. Uh, so, Absolutely. So the government should give uh, education vouchers. They spend twenty thousand rand per per pupil a year anyway. Just give twenty thousand rand voucher to every parent out there per per child. Let them choose the schools they want to go to. Let the schools compete amongst each other to get those vouchers in because that's more income for them. Health. Let private companies work out between each other. Compete. Give health. Give health vouchers with a top a cheap top up option that the market will provide. <clears throat> give people. Listen, what made people poor during apartheid was a lack of voting rights, a lack of property rights, a lack of education, lack of proper health care, and a lack of free speech. Just give them all of those things. Let the government fund it for a specified period of time and let the market provide it for them. That should have been done 25 years ago. This would be a very, very different country. But that's controversial coming from an anarchist that's now saying that we need to uh, use money that must come from somewhere. Where, do, where, where does it? No, but he's not being unrealistic. I mean, no, no, no. I, I know. I'm being facetious. I'm being. Facetious. I, live in, I live in the states with the governments. Uh, me being an anarchist doesn't change that. So I would want to live in a state with an efficient government at giving the people the freedom they need to do what's best for them. I trust parents to educate their children better than trade unions. I trust uh, patients to know which hospital to go to rather than the state force them to use certain facilities. Let people choose how they do things. And you can enable them for a specified of time. The government can pay for it, but they must not manage it. That's the key. Look, look it's, I don't know. It's not even uh, – you said it was controversial for an anarchist. I think it's, it's a controversial opinion in general in South Africa, but it's weird because – People ignore the fact that this is already going on. You have um, certain companies building schools, low-cost schools in um, low socioeconomic areas, poor socioeconomic areas, and people are choosing to pay for that schooling, the the couple of hundred bucks a month that it is, and they are they are choosing that instead of the local public school, um, which they either get for a lower price or for free, depending on their status. Um, that's already going on. This happens in healthcare as well. People negotiate with doctors all the time. Instead of going to the hospital where they may get free treatment or, or very uh, discounted treatment, it, it, it already happens. The government just needs to, needs to fund things, as Ramon says, and leave running things up to people who know how to run these things. So then... Obviously, okay, so Roman has talked about how money should be allocated, which obviously comes from the taxpayer. Um, another thing that I think that we didn't really tackle on this issue, but this is something that we might have in a future um, debate, if you guys are keen for that, is maybe discussing, you know, the impact that VAT also has, because VAT makes up about 33, 34% of the total um, income that the government gets from from the people here, because People are stuck on the concept that, you know, my tax money pays for that, but um, and they think that they're exclusive, when in actual fact, the whole country pays VAT, whether you are rich or poor. Uh, yeah, well, 
the Athene government is stealing money. I'm shocked. I, but, I don't know but, what you want me to say. Look, Ronaldo, though, that is that is probably the fairest tax we have because it's a sales tax, basically. And so it's the only flat tax we've got at the moment in this country. So the more you earn, the more tax you pay. Uh, the less you earn, the less tax you pay. I know everyone, well, not everyone, but many people think that that's fair. I don't consider that to be fair. I think there should be a flat tax. And therefore, that is that is a flat tax. And the reality is, is that when VAT went up by 1% now, or it didn't go. With, 1% you know, went point, four, fuck's sake. 1% point, went 14 to 15%. The thing is, is that that affects everyone. That affects the rich. That affects the poor. And... Um, that's uh, government's cock-ups being transferred to the entire population. We, we were talking earlier about why people still vote for the ANC. Well, maybe their, their lives are still as shit as they always have been, so they don't have really real incentive. If that changes, maybe there's a bit of incentive there. But sure, well, something, think, tax is something we can discuss as a much uh, greater yeah, all, subject. All I'm time. saying is it's about time the poor paid their fair share. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna touch that one with like ten foot pole. But what I do think is I, I I think that I think we fundamentally disagree on you know sort of the, the legacy of or rather the active role that, that people that were um, negatively affected during apartheid and, and what financial situation they currently are in right now. Because the the principles that that you guys have is a sound argument if things were more equal, and I think that we with the with the government that we have that's lost I think it is what's the number one trillion um, rand since uh, the the birth of democracy in this country. It must uh, be way more things, than that. Yeah, I think that was six years ago. It was one trillion rand. I think it might be double now. Um, but I do think that the the one thing that we disagree on here is how many people actually benefited over the last 24 years to be on equal footing. I think that that's a fair statement. Sorry, Ronaldo, like you're obsessed with due respect. You're obsessed with this like equal footing thing. Um, I, I assume you mean like equal opportunity. And well, uh, I mean, it just yay or nay, is it equal opportunity you're talking about? Look, yeah, I think my Afrikaans is shining through because no English is my second language. I'm not using it as an excuse. Uh, what what I mean with that is I just think that, you know, like a society to be more fair considering the history of this country. Sure. So equal footing might be equal opportunity. Right. And we know why there isn't equal opportunity in this country because the ones that use government services the most remain the poorest. So why would you want more government services or more government action to solve the problem the government's creating in the first place and has created in the past. Uh, that's what I don't understand. Why not just give autonomy to people and just literally give them cash? Give 10 million, there's 10 million very poor people in this 11, country. 11 million, yeah. 11 million. Give them all a million bucks. It's going to cost 1.1 billion rand or whatever it is and let them spend it on whatever they want. There, there's your equal opportunity. Yeah, you that, but that is, uh, you, some, some will use <laughs> there's it to open so businesses. many things wrong with that. Some I mean, that's it, like, some will use it to drink and do your drugs. Your math is a bit wrong, but other than that. Whatever, 110 billion, whatever the fuck it is. It's, it's less than what ESCOM <laughs> costs us in a year. 
Some will yeah, use look, it I can't speak on behalf of every single poor person or previously sure. disadvantaged. I can't actually speak on behalf of one of them. But what I would say is that if, if, for instance, if you give somebody that's got no understanding of money and how to invest and how to how to make sure that that money lasts, giving them that no, money. There's, there's, no, there's that political Puritanism coming out. Of, we we trust, that's the, we trust the masses, but not that much. So, you know, you we know, won't that's fucking the same do argument. <laughs> The same argument the ANC uses to not give people title deeds. Ah, if you give a poor person a title deed, they'll just sell their house and then they'll use the money for something else and then they'll still be homeless. No, no that's not no. your fucking choice, though. No, but you, you want to empower people, right? So empower them. And then what they do with the empowerment is up to them. But yes, I, I don't disagree that we should empower them with education. And I don't disagree we should, we should empower them with certain services so they have access to services like healthcare. But we need to be very careful of, of, of assuming that the poor don't know what they want and would be too dumb, would just walk into a car dealership and buy the, the first thing on the floor. Yeah, yeah. All right. I think that uh, covers the three topics that we disc- that we agreed to discuss on. So let's open, uh, you know, it up to the floor. And if you guys see any, or if you saw anything in the comment section that you would like mm. to just briefly talk about, so you can. There's one thing. Well, there's yeah. two things. Number one is uh, many people who want to sleep with Ramon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? And then. And then the other thing is there was a lot of comment about the Tommy Robinson thing. I don't know if you want to get into it at all. Uh, I would. You can you can discuss that. I'll jump no, in. It's if relevant I, if I to this. Well, well it's, it's, it's questions. It's not relevant part of the chat. Okay. So, uh, um, well, I mean, my view is is that uh, it Just does explain who Tommy Robinson is first, please. Well, Tommy Robinson is. Uh, it depends who you, which uh, which narrative you're reading. So if you're reading The Guardian, Tommy Robinson is a right-wing Nazi who eats children for dinner. Um, but if uh, I suppose you are a bit more reasonable and generous, uh, Tommy Robinson, certainly on the right, uh, he formerly was a member of the English Defence League, um, but he left them when he felt that they were uh, too right-wing, I, I think is the uh, what he said about it. Uh, and he, he's, he campaigns for right-wing, right-wing ideas and right-wing ideology. Uh, one of the things he's more well-known for is fighting against uh, the Islam, uh, I'm not going to get the word right. But, uh, Islamization. Islamization. Uh, but basically Islam moving into the West, I suppose, and, and, and enforcing things like Sharia law in, in communities where there have previously been liberal values and liberal laws. Um, so that's really Tommy Robinson. And from what I understand, he was arrested uh, outside a court where by a whole bunch of people who were part of one of these gangs in the UK, which uh, had been sexually molesting and raping uh, little girls. Uh, he was reporting on what was happening inside the court. Um, what is important to say is that he had previously been found guilty of contempt of court um, yeah. for doing something similar. Uh, I'm not saying whether that was fair or not. I'm just saying that that had happened. Uh, and I think he was on some sort of probation and basically he broke that probation. And so when he appeared in front of a judge, they um, said, well, you broke the probation. So cheers. And off you go to jail for 13 months. Now, the bigger debate is really whether whether he should ever go to prison for something like that. Um, I think uh, there's a lot of questions to be asked about that sort of law, which restricts 
um, the, the reporting, which they say would prejudice the case. I've seen a lot of commentary which seems to show that there was no um, prejudicial um, issue here and that what Tommy Robinson was saying had already been said by some outlets, including the largest newspaper in the area and the BBC. Um, so it does sound quite unfair and it does seem a little bit odd that someone who does agitate the government as much as Tommy does and certainly pisses off the left um, seconds. was in uh, was sent to prison within four hours uh, of being arrested and, and hasn't been seen from again. So I think uh, at minimum, uh, a very poor effort by the UK government and at worst, uh, really authoritarian. All right. Roman? So I'm going to answer. P26 has many questions for me. So the one is, uh, being an anarchist is hypocritical because the trading between communities and each community having its own king, you know, is that's its own type of government. And that's what anarchy is. Anarchy is not a lack of rules. It's a, it's a lack of rulers. So, I mean, the, <clears throat> the Roman Empire had a rotating emperor for, for, for centuries, in fact. And the law was created by these um, people called praetors who were changed every two years. Um, <clears throat> that was anarchic. They, those those people were um, – so you had governance within communities. So if you have – say you had 50 communities in South Africa, and they all chose in their own way ways to govern themselves. One has a board of trustees. One has a, a, a benevolent king. One has a dictator, all sorts, whatever. It doesn't really matter. As long as the people inside the community agree to the rules of the community, you can, it will be a little government. It will be a little kingdom. It will be a little whatever, uh, whatever you want to call it. But that's the essence. The, the thing is democratic accountability at its lowest, most important level. So in South Africa, imagine your ward councillor controls your ward and represents you at the grand council of ward councillors and all your taxes go within your ward. Right, like the Swiss Canton system, I I see that as a form of anarchic rule in a way, even though it's a it's a country. So oh, you and yeah. Valim will be good friends. Who? You and Valim Petzer will be good friends because he wants the Canton system. Yeah, but he wants it for racial reasons. I want it for democratic accountability reasons. There's a big difference between the two. <laughs> and um, if you want to get my voice, you need to get a second degree burns and be in ICU for six months at the age of 13. Then you might get With it. With a tube down your throat. Now you should all feel like shit. Worth yeah. it. Dickheads. Worth it. Yeah. And, and be, cl- okay, so- be classified dead three times. There we go. Oh, shame, man. So sorry to hear. I'm glad you're still with us today. Um, I, I have a so- to be honest. You've got one? I have days where I'm glad and others where I'm not so much. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So two questions that I think is quite important is the first one I think is uh, for all of us, which is uh, firstly, do you vote? Um, and the second question is, do you believe in multiculturalism? Um, and do you think that it's effective? My answer to that is, yes, obviously I do vote. And secondly, um, I do firmly believe in multiculturalism. Um, and I do believe that we are better together than what we are apart. Um, well, I don't vote because lol, because um, A, it doesn't matter, <laughs> and B, I'm anarchist, so I'll never vote for my oppressors. 
Uh, and uh, multiculturalism exists anyway. Uh, that's what happens when you trade and meet people in the street and work and associates, join at different associations. That's multiculturalism. It's not just a case of race. It's a case of culture, religion, ethnicity, history, all sorts of things. So I'm against enforced multiculturalism, uh, such as what's happening in, in Europe at the moment. But I think multiculturalism happens naturally when free people mingle with each other. Right. I uh, I have up until now voted. Uh, I'm not sure what I will be doing in the 2019 elections based on the fact that I'm currently not sure there is a party to vote for. Um, as a classical liberal, I need to find uh, a party that roughly has liberal values and beliefs. And uh, when the second largest party in this country is embracing identity politics, it's very off-putting. Um, then with regards to multiculturalism, sure. I mean, I think it's, it depends on how you define that. Uh, multiculturalism was the idea, for example, the melting pot in the United States. So um, you had Irish Americans, Italian Americans, African Americans. And uh, what that meant is that, yeah, you had places like Little Italy, but uh, essentially everyone was American and they all acted in the same way when they went to the post office. Um, and everyone embraced what it meant to be American, which is a Western uh, system and Western values and beliefs. Um, if you mean multiculturalism in the sense that a whole bunch of people move into one area of uh, a country or a city and their particular culture, uh, because not all cultures are equal, implies that uh, they should do some stuff which is against those Western values and beliefs, then no, I'm against that type of multiculturalism. So it really depends uh, on on uh, how it's defined and what you what you feel that means. All right. Well, yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks for that. Okay. I think we need to wrap it up. Um, I don't know if you guys want to say anything in closing with regards to this debate, um, but uh, I'll, I will leave it up to you, and then I'll end the stream um, with the final word. Go for it, Ramon. Uh, me. Um, <clears throat> uh, no, I got nothing much to say. Um, I think, well, sorry, the one last question here is about how practical is anarchism? I said, well, it's very practical. Everyone's practicing it right now. Um, no one's forcing me to be here. No one's forced Jonathan or Ronaldo to be here. We came here out of our own free will. Um, so that's anarchy. When you got, when people do things out of their own volition, because they are free people, that's anarchy. When you take a walk down the road to go to gym or buy your bread and milk, that's anarchy. So to stop making anarchy a dirty word, it's not chaos. It means no rulers. There's a big difference between the two. And second of all, Ronaldo, thank you for inviting us. Uh, this has been great. I really, really enjoyed it, my time here. Pleasure. Cool, yeah. Uh, Ronaldo, thank you for the debate. I uh, appreciate the discussion. Um, I think this idea that uh, we all have to come to some sort of central point of agreement is terrible. Um, so I'm glad we've agreed on very little uh, because... Uh, it's a marketplace of ideas, as someone in the comments mentioned, Dave Rubin. Well, I, I buy into that very heavily, as does the intellectual dark web, as you know. And uh, I think ultimately we see which ideas work best and which don't. And I really wish South Africa would embrace a lot of the ideas that have been shown to work well around the world and would let go of a lot of the ideas that have been shown to fail repeatedly and again and again. And being friends with countries like Cuba and Iran, North Korea, China in some respects, uh, and f following those models is not going to um, help anyone in this country, whether we accept white privilege or not. 
and uh, hopefully uh, cooler heads can prevail and we can uh, we, we can go with good ideas. Perfect. Well, um, all right. I'd just like to thank you guys uh, for being part of this debate, or rather, I think a better word would be a discussion. Um, I think that uh, the people really did enjoy it based on the comment section and based on how many people we have that's watching. Um, I think that uh, if you guys are up for it, we can definitely do another one in the future because there's been a lot of requests that we that we do uh, do one in the future. So if you guys are up for it, I'm more than happy to have another one of these um, and make it a regular on, on the show if you're keen. Happy to. Cool. This is cliffcentral.com.